So uh, last week, I introduced the topic of a community of rest, and I talked about the Sabbath. And last week, we went through lots of reasons why you should have a Sabbath and lots of the excuses we give ourselves or give other people for why we don't have a Sabbath. So this week, we're going to venture into the how-to, looking at some pretty big clues from the Bible um, and just some, you know, general common sense. (laughs) Um, It's always a good combination, I find. (laughs) So last week we talked about Sabbath being a commandment that God takes seriously. Like it is actually in the top 10 and it is obedience to do it. So, I know, Um, I say that all without judgment or condemnation because I shared how I am one of the worst resters in the world. Um, I'm getting a lot better uh, as I imperfectly make progress towards practicing a Sabbath each week. Um, But yes, when it comes down to it, it is a commandment. We also talked about it being a delight. So in Judaism... Sabbath can be translated to the word delight. So it's a a day we delight in all Jesus and all God has done for us. We talk about the experience of delight being different for everyone. So maybe you feel delight in God when standing on the beach, walking in the bush, sitting in your garden. It's going to be different for everyone. We talked about it being a gift from God. And how silly it would be to leave a gift from God unopened. Just like you would not do that at a birthday party, you would open the gifts in front of you. And we talked about Sabbath being life-giving. So we talked about rest literally being essential for the running of our bodies and how rest is literally essential for our lives. So God has actually made us to stop. Uh, We even made reference to Seventh-day Adventists and how scientists have found that in the uh, town of Loma Linda, where Seventh-day Adventism started, people are actually having a 10-year longer lifespan because they are strictly religious about maintaining the Sabbath. So Sabbath literally gives life. We also talked about why not Sabbath. So... We talked about, I can't take a day off from, you name it, work, cleaning, laundry, cooking, driving, errands, ministry, emails, social media, being a parent, being a daughter, being an aunt, being a friend, Uh, and how obviously some of those are more challenging to take a day off from. I said, if you're a parent of young children, please don't take a complete break and leave them all to their own devices. But we talked about how in the context of community, maybe we can help each other out. Maybe you have a different Sabbath day to a friend and you take turns watching each other's children. That kind of of thing. Um, We talked about another big reason we don't Sabbath is fear of losing control. So like if we stop, God doesn't have it under control. Um, which, you know, sounds bizarre, but yet I think we all do it. I referred to a podcast by uh, Jess Connolly, um, who's a pastor in the US, and she says that one of our biggest mistakes that creates so much unrest is fooling ourselves by thinking we are God, 
that it's our efforts that are pushing it forward, whatever it may be. So she goes on to say, God is God and I am not. God is my provider and I am not. God holds the world together and I do not. Yes, such a good reminder. Um, And then I shared probably my biggest uh, foible in regards to taking a Sabbath is feelings of inadequacy. So as a tasky person, I shared that I try to get lots done and I feel really good when I've ticked all my items off my to-do list and I feel like a happy, productive member of society. Um, But really, we do not need to strive that hard. We do not need to try and make God happy or proud. He already is. By grace, through faith, we're already forgiven. He cannot love us more than he already does. And we just simply do not need to strive. And then the last reason we talked about uh, was a reason not to Sabbath is no one else's. So it can be hard to take a Sabbath if no one in our community does it or is even talking about it. So I encourage everyone to think about how they can support others in their community to have a Sabbath day or even start with a few Sabbath hours. So today, I feel like begs the question, why do we need to know how to Sabbath? Shouldn't it come naturally? Well, I think we frequently prove that it doesn't. So who here in their adult life, when they have been in charge of their own schedule, uh, has taken a Sabbath day consistently every week? Yeah, me neither. So (laughs) I think it's pretty countercultural to actually rest for 24 hours. Our world is very much geared towards, you can be anything you want to be if you just work hard enough. Snoozers are losers. Work hard, play hard. Or even sometimes these messages are drummed into us in childhood. I talked about my primary school's motto being striving for excellence and how they actually worked out that motto in what they did. There was competitions for singing, for reading poetry. We had like a public speaking competition, you name it. Our school had a competition for everything, didn't they, Kirsty? Ben, yep. We remember. And it was a great school, but I really did feel like they lived out their motto of striving for excellence. They wanted us to be excellent all the time. And we also talked about last week how the church has not always handled the topic of rest very well. We can easily interpret scriptures such as, you know, faith without works is dead, as God's attempt to, you know, seem to try a bit harder. Um, and that was not the intention, I don't believe, of that, of that scripture. I also think we need to know how to Sabbath is because our world is a world full of burnout culture. Dr. Wayne Jonas from Georgetown University states that post-COVID in the US, women are leaving the workforce in droves. One-fifth of healthcare employees are at risk of post-traumatic stress disorder and life expectancy has dropped a full year between 2020 and 2021. And mental health challenges are at an all-time high, which we've heard a lot about, but it's hardly surprising, huh, that we need to know how to Sabbath when this is our culture. 
we are literally getting less rest than ever. So the average screen time per day, sorry for those of you who love screens, <laughs> Nathan, um, you're not gonna like this bit. <laughs> um, so the, out, the, <laughs> the daily total screen time of an Australian smartphone user is five and a half hours per day. This equates to a whopping 33% of our waking hours. If taken out further, this would work out to almost 17 years or 145,800 hours of our lives looking at our screens, checking social media, finding information, using apps, playing games, taking photos and consuming content. Gen Z, so those born between 1997 and 2012, spend an eye-watering 7.3 hours a day on their phones. It's almost a full work day. So Dr. Philip Tam, a child psychiatrist and researcher, reports that there is an association with higher rates of low self-esteem, anxiety and depression in people who are excessively using a lot of social media platforms. Dr. Tam reports that their sense of self, rather than being grounded in their own internal values, desires and wants, is actually created in a very real way by what the outside world thinks of them. However, our ability to hurry and spend time on activities that are not life-giving and are not restful is not new. It's been human nature for a very long time. We used to measure our time by the sunrise and the sunset and by the seasons, taking life at the pace that God literally created. But then, in 1500 BC, the sundial was invented as a way to measure time and organize the day. So in a play by Platus, he complained about his day being chopped up into pieces by the sundials. Imagine that. So prior to the invention of the light bulb by Edison in 1878, the average total sleep time for an adult was 11 hours per night. I was made to live pre-1878, I think. But you compare that to the current day where the average adult reports sleeping for less than seven hours per night. It's horrifying. And now we're told that that's actually healthy and normal for us. So how do we fight against our cultural need to hurry? And how do we enter into the rest that Jesus wants us to have? It seems, it seems almost impossible. Please tell us. Thank you. I will. So fortunately, um, Jesus gives us a lot of clues, not only by what he said, but also how he lived. He literally handed us so many pieces of information. So in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus says famously, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've always heard this verse and gone, that's so lovely. Jesus just wants me to have light things to carry. That's nice. <laughs> um, but back in the day that he actually first said that verse in, a yoke must have seemed like a really strange thing to talk about when talking about rest, because it's actually an instrument of work. 
So a yoke was a heavy wooden harness that would be put on oxen and attached to the equipment that the oxen pulled, which was really heavy. So Jesus actually isn't saying uh, do nothing. He's say, actually offering us a freer, lighter way to work. So that kind of begs the question, does, is Sabbath really an approach we take all week? One where we're leaning on Jesus and working in a lighter, freer way, opposed to rushing, rushing, rushing all week and then collapsing on your Sabbath. I've always also found it strange that Jesus says to learn from him because he's humble in heart. This was actually a way that Jesus contrasted himself with the Pharisees, so the strict religious leaders of the day, who were pious and judgmental, and they were known for burdening the Jewish people with rules laid out in the Torah. Jesus is saying that his way of working is actually a way to be free of a try-harder, do-more religion. So how much does that contrast to what so many people who don't know Jesus think about him as a person, you know, laying restrictions on us, whereas Jesus actually came to lift those off? So the key to the Sabbath here is not to eliminate work from your life, but approach all your days with the lightness that Jesus offers. His second tip for us, I think, is to not hurry. When we look in greater detail at Jesus' life, we can see he lived his days lightly. He did not hurry. He spent time with people. He kept his cool when people were angry with him. And he was endlessly patient with those disciples who seemed to do no end of silly things. So we even see Jesus not hurry in life and death situations. In John 11, it says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, uh, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So this is when Lazarus was dying or about to die or dead. And he didn't actually really know because he was further out and away. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. How long did Jesus take? Like, come on, life and death. He's been dead. You missed the boat. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. So Jesus did not hurry, despite competing and hurried needs. John tells us that he loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus. Still, he didn't hurry. He didn't get flustered when Martha guilt tripped him and said, if only you had been here. (laughs) Jesus just carried on with his assignment to raise Lazarus from the dead. So this is not the only situation where we see Jesus in a life and death situation and not hurry. We also see it when Jairus comes to Jesus asking him to heal his daughter who's gravely ill. And Jesus stops to talk to the woman with the issue of blood. 
So Mark 5.35 says, While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Well, wouldn't you be a bit ticked if you were Jairus? He did trouble him earlier, but Jesus stopped to talk to someone else with a much less life-threatening issue. The Bible tells us she'd been living with the issue of blood for however many years. She could have just perhaps waited. Um, I think, you know, I'd be more than a little upset. Jesus could have hurried and made it in time. As it was, Jesus came late and it all still worked out. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. So I think if Jesus cannot hurry in life and death situations, we can also take that example and not be hurried, not be bossed around, not be guilt-tripped into living a life outside the pace at which God has asked us to. And I think part of it as well, how to Sabbath, is developing new habits. So we see frequently throughout the Gospels that Jesus went away by himself to pray and seek time away from the hurry of busy places. Luke 5 says, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So Jesus just was completely unrattled by people's needs. He, you know, it doesn't just sound very nice, but you know, there's people coming to him to be healed. He's got lots of opportunities to demonstrate God's power. But I think he even more prioritized the need to pray and make sure he was filled and he was ready to see those people. So I think Jesus is showing us by his habits that time alone with God is actually the only way to fulfill your calling. If he found it impossible <laughs> to meet people's needs and to carry out his, his life's work, um, all the more so we should find it impossible to do it without God. Another way I think we can learn how to Sabbath is to rest then work. We can look to other key Bible stories to see God's original plan for rest and work. We can see from the creation story that God marked the days of creation first by night and then by day. Genesis 1.3 says, an evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. This gives us the clue that we are first meant to have night, aka rest <laughs> before morning comes aka work and this is how God created the world so I think it's a pretty good plan to follow and I think it's also important as we Sabbath to keep Jesus at the center so the purpose of your Sabbath is to not just have a day off but it's to delight in Jesus so last week I read this verse from Isaiah and I'm going to read it again as I feel it so well encapsulates the purpose of our Sabbath. Isaiah 58, 13 says, Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honour the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. 
then the Lord will be your delight. So it kind of sounds like not fun, <laughs> how, how it's put here, but I think it actually gives us some really important clues as to how to make Jesus our delight. So it tells us not to follow our own desires. Why? Because God is mean? No, I think it's actually because our desires often lead us down the wrong path. For starters, if I was to follow my own desires for activity and productivity, uh, I would never have a Sabbath. So that's really just not going to work. It also tells us not to talk idly. I thought this seemed really strange, going, what does that have to do with the Sabbath? But the word idle can actually be interchanged with don't talk frivolously or trivially, or worse, petty, foolish, and shallow. So it makes sense that if we're speaking in this way, God is not in the midst of that behavior. You know, it's actually sin or gossip. And doing that with our mouth would actually cause us to walk away from God's best for us, therefore leading to lack of delight in him. And the common sense in uh, taking a Sabbath, how to, is have a plan. So practically, in order for our Sabbath day to succeed, we will need a plan. We can't expect to arrive at our Sabbath, so for me that's a Saturday, and have nothing else on. It's very unlikely. <laughs> so I think you need to decide to enter this posture of rest at a set time. So does yours perhaps begin Friday night at six o'clock and go to Saturday night at six o'clock? Is it for you a Sunday, which if you serve in church might be a bit impractical, um, but maybe your 24 hours starts middle of Saturday, ends middle of Sunday. Can you do tasks on other days? So could you draw yourself out a weekly calendar and figure out how to fit all your tasks within six days? Last week we touched on perhaps you don't need to forego all errands or all chores on your Sabbath, but just the ones that you find particularly unrestful. Can you say no to things that are not restful and that don't cause you to delight in Jesus? So say no to things that cause us to follow our own desires or talk idly. Maybe say no to people that stress you out just for that day. <laughs> and think about what will it take for you to rest? So this is one I'm not doing yet, <laughs> but putting your phone away. I've heard people talking about they've got a locked box with chargers in them and they put their phones there on charge, lock up the box for 24 hours. For me, that's just really big stretch. But it's something that I'm now considering, especially having looked at those screen time statistics <laughs> in preparing this message. So... My last tip would probably be to plan your Sabbath with your community in mind. Do you need to help someone? Do you need someone to help you? And the importance of having your Sabbath in community. So if we go back to our original Bible verse, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you see here, I've put the picture of the yoke, and it occurred to me as I was looking at this that the oxen are literally yoked together. So God did not design us to carry a yoke alone. He made us to do this in community. So our rhythms of rest and work are intrinsically linked to those around us. With that in mind, we need to think about how we can support others in our community to take a rest and how we can ask for our own help. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And in a minute, we're going to worship and rest and pray. We're going to ask us, we're going to ask God to show us how a Sabbath day would be possible for us and the steps we could make towards this. But I'd also like to give an opportunity for those here this morning who may not know Jesus. Perhaps you have known him and walked away. Perhaps you want assurance that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. If this is you here today, please find me afterwards or find the person who brought you and we can pray together that Jesus would come into your life. But now, please stand, sit, kneel, do whatever works for you and begin to pray and ask God to show you how you can have a Sabbath day and live a life free of hurry.